It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And welcome back to Decal Download. I'm Reg Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We're recording on Tuesday, April 7th during the COVID-19 coronavirus crisis and public health emergency here in Georgia. Here at DECAL, we're practicing social distancing and working from our homes, not only social distancing, but we're also living under a statewide shelter-in-place order from Governor Kemp that runs through Friday, April 13th. And Commissioner Amy Jacobs is here. Commissioner, to call these unprecedented times uh, now really seems like an understatement. We are so right about that. I've heard unprecedented, unchartered, and unfamiliar, every word you can think of. And, and you're right. We are, we're dealing with a time in our lives that we've never dealt with before, but we're doing the best we can um, and trying to be optimistic as possible that this too shall pass and we will get through this together. Everyone on this podcast are uh, talking to you today from our individual homes. The commissioner is in her home. I am here in my home. We're going to be introducing Pam Stevens here in a moment, who will be joining us. This is kind of the the new normal, I guess. All of our employees are working remotely at this point. They absolutely are, uh, and they're doing a really great job of it. So uh, for the most part, our employees were ready to do that. Most of them are home-based because they're, they're field-based. They work with child care providers all over the state. And then those that uh, didn't have the equipment with the ability to work from home, our IT uh, team, which is also incredible, got them set up. And everybody is working from home very successfully, I have to say. I'm very proud of DECAL and the team and the way everyone stepped up to help us through this crisis. I know you and your executive cabinet have a Skype meeting about twice a day, and you're hearing in real time how employees are doing. How is everyone doing? Has this affected us uh, directly at all? You know, I think it, there's everyone's been affected uh, some way or another. For the most part, folks are healthy. Unfortunately, we're hearing, you know, uh, a few members have um, have have an illness. We're not sure if it's COVID-19 or not. They've quarantined. Some have gotten better. Some are on their way to getting better. Some family members have been in the hospital, um, but hopefully they are on the mend. And so, you know, of course, we have their, their health and well-being are first and for- foremost priority. Um, and, you know, they're dealing with a new work environment as well. Schools are closed and a lot of our um, staff have young children. And so, they're working and trying to care for their children at the same time. And uh, so these are these are new ways of doing things. And uh, we just hope that they feel the support because we really appreciate the way that they're coming together to make sure that we can continue to do our business. Well, because most of this centers around the 4,449 licensed child care programs in Georgia, we've invited Pam Stevens, our Deputy Commissioner of Child Care Services, to join us to talk about uh, that aspect of the COVID-19 crisis uh, here in the state. Pam, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing well. Um, it is, like you were talking about, very different working environment right now. I feel very grateful to be working, um, but I actually miss the office a little bit. I miss <laughs> seeing my coworkers. You know, I was thinking that too, and we have a very close-knit group. Um, the commissioner mentioned most of our employees work remotely out all across the state as a rule, but we've got a couple of hundred folks uh, at the Twin Towers and in the Agriculture Building on Capitol Hill, and it's a close-knit group, and I think we do enjoy uh, seeing each other every day. This is a little different. 
It really it's is. Definitely, it really yeah, is. I agree. It is definitely different. It's not the same seeing each other over Skype, um, but I am thankful for the technology so that we can uh, stay connected for sure. Yeah. Um, we continued to go to the office, we being the executive cabinet uh, of DECAL, while our employees were uh, beginning to work from home. We kept going into the office and meeting pretty much all day. And now we've sort of... Um, do a virtual version of that using Skype. I I actually don't miss that. (laughs) That was an interesting couple of, uh, couple of weeks. Um, And and it it is interesting because we, we practiced uh, social distancing, but we were in a large conference room uh, working right with each other every day. It was about uh, 12 of us all together. So uh, just so folks out in the field know, we are now in our homes, and, and probably that's not such a bad thing. But yeah, it, it was an interesting time. Well, on March 23rd, Governor Kemp issued an executive order in response to the COVID-19 public health emergency. Last week, the governor closed schools for the remainder of the year and issued the statewide shelter-in-place order through Friday, April 13th. And Commissioner, from the beginning, the governor has given the option to child care programs to close or remain open, and that option continues now under the shelter-in-place. So that's correct. Uh, the shelter-in-place uh, allows child care to remain open. I think the governor, um, as well as DECAL, we understand how critical child care is right now, uh, especially for those essential workforce, and uh, we're all uh, concerned about our healthcare and first responders, but also all the other folks that are still going to work every day. Uh, those individuals that are restocking our grocery store shelves, delivering our mail, picking up our garbage, you name it. There are folks that are still working and many of them don't have access to anything uh, other than licensed childcare. And so, yes, childcare does remain open and we do ask them to prioritize those folks that do have to go to work every day. And you may have just said this, but what has your message been to child care programs during this period? So we've gotten a lot of questions, a lot of comments, and, and our message um, has remained steady. We support child care. Uh, they've had to make some really tough decisions to close. Many of them have closed for many different reasons, and we support them. We know that was a tough decision, uh, and we are supporting them in many different ways, and we hope that they will be able to uh, maintain sustain and reopen when we're all back to normal. And we also support those providers who have remained open. They've also made a really tough decision. And I know we'll talk about a little later, all the different uh, processes um, and extra steps they're having to take to make sure that uh, they remain healthy and the children, families, and staff that they have in their building every day remain healthy. But we support both of them because they're hard decisions either way. We update this information on our website uh, moment to moment uh, so that people can know not only on our decal.ga.gov website, but also at qualityrated.org. And as we record this podcast with 4,222 Georgia licensed child care programs uh, reporting, uh, 2,516 are closed with 1,706 now open. And uh, Commissioner, one of the things we felt a need to do early on uh, as these were beginning to either close or remain open was to try to direct the general public, those people looking for childcare to those open programs. Yes, exactly. So they've already got the infrastructure in place. And so that was definitely our priority to make sure that parents needing childcare knew exactly what was open. So they can go to qualityrated.org, easily search uh, in their area, and it'll pull up 
the childcare that is open and it'll even indicate what age groups and what vacancies they have. And so, you know, there's no reason to start over because we have a lot of childcare that does remain open and they're available for parents. And so we hope that information on qualityrated.org is helpful as parents locate, uh, look to locate childcare. Yeah, I guess about 40% of the uh, reporting uh, child care programs, which is just about all of them, because we've been calling. Uh, first of all, they were able to report in through the portal called the Koala that they use. Uh, but then when folks weren't calling in, we decided to call out and our child care services consultants uh, made phone calls. And we're, we're pretty close to um, knowing where everybody stands uh, at this point. But those numbers do change slightly and you can see those on our website uh, day to day to see what's going on. It is interesting if you look across the country uh, that the majority of states uh, have decided to leave the option out there for child care to remain open. It's really their call uh, as a private business. Uh, so about 34 states are in that category. You can remain open. Um, about 15 uh, states are in the category of saying you must close, but you can reapply, I suppose, and and serve the uh, essential employees, uh, those who are most in need. Really, only one state has closed without any provisions uh, outside of just being closed, and that's the state of Rhode Island. Right. Yeah. We're. I think we're in the same uh, ballpark with many, many other states that have remained open because they understand the importance of especially licensed child care uh, to continue to serve those folks that continue to need to go to work every day. Right. Well, Pam, you hear directly from uh, all of the licensed child care programs in Georgia through our network of consultants who are out in the field and in these centers uh, every day uh, during the course of a year. What are you hearing from child care programs who remain open? I think the main message we're hearing is that they want to do this right. They um, care deeply about the safety of the children in their care, their staff, the families, and of course themselves too. I mean, um, it, it's interesting because, you know, adhering to all the childcare licensing rules and regulations is a lot. It's already a lot. And they're taking on even bigger procedures and processes to ensure the safety of everyone. And, you know, they know that there are families that need to be served. There are families that need to go to work and they're doing everything they can, you know, health screenings and they're disinfecting their outdoor play equipment. They're doing all these things that go above and beyond the normal licensing rules and regulations just to give everybody the best possible shot at staying healthy. They're taking mm -hmm. this very seriously. They're responding in such a responsible way. I'm grateful and impressed for everything we're hearing. Now, I think when we first uh, told child care programs back in early March, uh, early to mid-March, you can remain open if you want to. They could continue to operate pretty normally. Uh, then we came along a little later and said the 10-person um, rule. How did that change things for providers? It changed it quite a bit, you know, because we're just following along with, you know, the governor's guidance around his executive orders and what he has put in place. And so when it became necessary to limit class sizes to 10, that was huge for providers because you know, this is their livelihood. And it's difficult to remain open with such small class sizes. So it was a big adjustment 
for a lot of providers and um, and they're doing it. They're doing again, mm-hmm. they're doing everything they can to keep everyone safe. And so, you know, it, it's uh, not an easy thing to do. Um, I will say, I think that what helped, you know, their numbers were low anyway. A lot of people are sheltering in place. A lot of people are working from home and keeping their children home. So um, for, you know, many providers, the problem kind of took care of itself. But for other ones, it was a little bit difficult trying to figure out how to have space for the, for the kids they needed to serve. Mm-hmm. Let's tackle one of the biggest questions we've had about remaining open, and that's social distancing with infants, toddlers, four- and five-year-olds. Does that six-foot rule apply in this case? No. As long as you're keeping the number of people in the space to 10 or less, you don't have to do the social distancing of six feet or more. It's a consistent group of people. We're not introducing new people all the time. It's the same group, and it's those 10 people. Because you can't social distance with small children, it's not, I mean, again, we've said this over and over, you can't change a diaper from six feet away. It just, it doesn't work. Plus, that's not how children play. Children, you know, children are social and they also need to be social with their caregivers. And so as long as we're keeping those group sizes small, they don't have to do the six feet of social distancing, which would not would never be appropriate for small children. And I think one thing that we probably need to point out early on here is the fact that we worked uh, in conjunction with uh, Governor Kemp in relaxing some of the rules in order to recognize the new reality of trying to uh, care for children under these circumstances. What were some of those changes? Well, one of the, the biggest ones was around what we feel is a really great rule and very important is that at all times, families have access to their children when they're in care. So if it's a family child care home or if it's a child care learning center, that if your child is enrolled there, if your child is in the building, you can go in and you can see your child. I mean, it's part of the transparency that needs to happen in child care. But now everything's different and we're trying to control exposure. So during this time, child care providers are encouraged to make sure that uh, families are dropping off really at the front door and they're doing health screenings there, that we're not allowing other adults into the building and to, you know, introduce more exposure to children. So that's that's a big change. We've also um, suspended the ability to do field trips. You know, the last thing we need are groups of children traveling to other spaces. We're trying to contain exposure. So those are a couple of examples. Mm-hmm. Tell me, uh, what is a self-contained classroom? That's another discussion point uh, on our social media. Yeah, this has been a tough one. Um, a self-contained classroom is a room with four walls and a door, four full walls and a door, no half walls. And, you know, and there are quite a few programs that are set up, you know, especially maybe in a toddler room where there's a half wall down the middle and there are two separate spaces. But for controlling infectious disease, that does, the half wall doesn't do anything. So um, it's, it's been difficult for some providers who have more of those open classrooms, but your space, a self-contained classroom, is any space that has four walls and a door. And uh, so again, half walls or you know, open classrooms where you know, you're, there are bookcases or something between classrooms to divide space, that's still considered one space unless, again, there are four walls and a door. So that's been a, that's a, been a little bit difficult or challenging for some providers. It's really lowered their numbers even more. I need to check with the commissioner. Were you ready with that definition, if I'd ask you? 
Absolutely. Four walls and a door. <laughs> We've, <laughs> We've got gotten that, that question a lot. Yeah. And, and we know it's, and just to echo what Pam said, we know that it's difficult for some providers. Um, but again, we're trying to follow the governor's emergency order. We're trying to follow um, the CDC guidelines because they are the medical experts and med- medical professionals. And we're just trying to keep everybody safe as childcare remains open. So I'm assuming when you're looking at class sizes limited to no more than 10, including teachers, there are going to be situations where a provider has too many children. How do they decide who attends and who doesn't attend? That is so, I mean, that's a tough and really probably even a painful decision sometimes, because I think in this context where we are now, if you're bringing your children to childcare, you probably need childcare. I don't think anyone is doing this out of convenience at this point. But because some people are having to make hard decisions, we've asked them to prioritize those, you know, first responders and healthcare workers who we desperately need to go to work right now, and that those that be their first priority. But again, these are private businesses, and they're able to prioritize, you know, how they choose. But our recommendation is for those, you know, people who are critical right now to in in this new world that we're living in. Mm-hmm. Are you hearing uh, in most cases that uh, the numbers are significantly down in all of these child care programs, or are there some where they are having to make that kind of decision? You know, we heard a lot of questions when we first started talking about that we were going to have to limit class sizes to 10. And people were saying, well, how am I going to choose? And people were you know, reaching out to us asking about that. And that's when we decided to give that guidance around choosing those, you know, health care providers and um, first responders. But since then, and I think as every week passes, fewer and fewer children are attending childcare. So um, we're really not hearing a lot about that right now. And I think, I think Reg as well, I think it's important to emphasize that, and this is me speaking on behalf of childcare, just taking a liberty to do that. Childcare is open right now to serve their families that have to go to work. They, they know they're taking a risk and they are taking a huge risk to try to provide this service to their family. So they're not just open for everyday business. I don't think it's going to be a huge issue with having to limit children, but that's what they're already doing. They're in this for the right reason to try to help their families. And they are serving those essential personnel. I agree with Pam. They're not out there just serving folks that just need a break from their children. And, I, and I'm sure parents do. Um, they're out there serving the folks that absolutely positively need child care so that they can keep things running in our state at this point. Mm-hmm. One issue we've come across is CPR and first aid certification uh, that does expire uh, at various times during the year. Not so great a time uh, in the middle of a pandemic, and yet one of our requirements is uh, for at least two people, I believe, to have CPR and first aid certification. Um, Pam, can they still find training during this uh, public health emergency? They can find in-person CPR training, first aid training you can find online pretty easily. Um, For CPR training, it's best if it's in-person. The Red Cross is offering some CPR classes, and we have a link in our Frequently Asked Questions. Um, In in some areas of the state, they're still offering some in-person training as long as it's with very few people, and you can do the social distancing. But if uh, we have, you know, realize that there is some online CPR training now. And if your training is expiring and you're one of the two people in a program that needs to be on site and needs to have CPR training, we will accept online CPR training during this very specific time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, the, the most important thing is to have someone there who knows how to do CPR. I mean, it's too dangerous to just let it lax and say, just don't do anything. You have to be lax about it and say, don't do anything right now. We'll just wait till all this is over and then get retrained. We don't think that's a safe option at all. Yeah. And so we would like you to try to find an in-person class, so someone to come to your facility and train. Um, if that's not possible, we do want you to take it online. And we do have some links on the website on, you know, with the, um, in our frequently asked questions about how to find that training. You know, I think for all of us getting outside, uh, still practicing social distancing, but just getting outside for a walk uh, and the fresh air is such a welcome thing now. What about playgrounds? Uh, do we need to pay more attention to disinfecting playground equipment between groups? Yes, they. I mean, that. Wow, that's a big ask and a big task for childcare providers because you know you know what a playground looks like. The equipment is huge, and, and what we're finding is the easiest thing is a bleach water solution to clean the playground equipment to disinfect between times different groups of children are outside. And we've also asked, you know, that only 10 people be on the playground at a time as well, which is, you know, was a big question at first because playgrounds are big and, and it's possible to do some social distancing on a playground if you have more than 10 people. But again, we know that's not how children play. If you go out on a playground, you see that they run in packs. That's what they do. It's, you know, that's, we, it's, a, it's something we want them to do. That is how they should be playing. So, um, again, only 10 people on the playground at a time and disinfecting equipment in between times, you know, just to try to keep people safe. We really appreciate their effort. And do the adjacent playgrounds that are separated by fencing count as separate locations? Yes, as long as the fence is four feet high. But we ask that people are really vigilant at making sure kids aren't congregating at the fence to talk to other children and that, you know, of course, staff doesn't congregate at the fence. People mm -hmm. need to really use that as a true separation. One question that uh, has come in through our social media, kind of looking ahead a little bit because we're not sure how long this is all going to last. Uh, how will summer camps be impacted by all of this? So um, we see summer camps uh, you know, right now, our exempt providers as being a big help to us. Uh, during this time, because, in, you know, in case we do have issues around capacity, you know, a lot of kids are out of school and, um, you know, some parents who are those essential workers need places for their children to go. So what we've allowed them to do is those summer camp programs that usually only operate uh, during the summer or during spring break or winter break, they are allowed to open now as if it were summer and care for kid, kid, uh, children all day. One question we're hearing from parents who don't want to pay for childcare since their programs are closed. Uh, they're keeping their children at home. Maybe they're paying for a babysitter or a nanny on an interim basis. What is your advice uh, for those parents? Um, boy, and, you know, that's such a, such a tough thing. And, and I understand exactly how families feel like, you know, I'm paying for a service that I'm not receiving right now, but we have to have the big picture in mind. If, a program is going to be there after all this is over. They have to be able to sustain themselves during this time. Part of that is paying their employees. I mean, these providers want to, to pay their staff during this time. And uh, they still have to pay their mortgage or their rent. They still have to pay utility bills. They still have to pay taxes. All those things are still there. And if we're hoping that providers can survive this, 
you know, we're, we're going to have to help them sustain. And that, you know, I think, and that this goes for a lot of things. I have a daughter who is um, a student at UGA and she's, you know, sheltering in place with us and will throughout the rest of her last year at UGA. And I will continue to pay for her apartment because I have to, I mean, it's just part of what we're going to have to do for anything to be the same when, when all this is over. And it, I know it must be so difficult to make those payments, but at the same time, again, we want childcare to be there when all this is over. We want childcare staff to be paid during this really difficult time. Yeah, you're right about that, Pam. It is a, it's a very difficult situation. And I think, um, like we always say, we don't usually get into that conversation between childcare and parent and their payment agreements. Um, but we do recognize it's tough not only for parents who may have had, you know, a, a loss of a job or their hours may have been cut. I and mean, it's also hard for the childcare provider who, again, just like you said, they're trying to keep their teachers paid and um, their rent and their mortgage paid so they can reopen when things get back to normal. So um, I think it's just important for your childcare provider and parents to have honest conversations with each other to see what they can work out to help each other so that they can get back to normal when, when things return to normal, which I know that they will. One other thing we're seeing uh, primarily on social media, and I think this is probably from a good place, people just trying to pitch in and help out, is offering uh, group babysitting in someone's home. Um, but again, that's a little bit of a red flag because we've got rules and regulations set up that you need to be licensed. Uh, Pam, how would you, uh, how would you address that? Well, uh, you're allowed to watch two or fewer children. So one or two children in your, in your home without a license. So if it's just, you know, your niece and nephew, that's fine. We understand that is babysitting. That's fine. But if you're bringing in groups of children, and groups of families into your home. And again, it, it probably is coming from a good place of trying to help out right, right now. Um, that, that's something that you're not allowed to do. It's actually against the law. You're supposed to be licensed. And there are good reasons for this. You know, especially in a family child care home, um, that's, you're relying on one person. And you may not know a whole lot about that person just because they're offering to, to babysit for your child. If they're licensed, you know that they have a criminal background check. And that tells you so much. You also know that they're credentialed and they know what to do with children and how to take care of children. And right now during this crisis, you know that they're in constant contact with us, getting information about how to keep children safe, getting information about what are the proper procedures about uh, cleaning and disinfecting and health screens and all those things. You know that they're connected in a way that is going to ensure the safety of your child. So I, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is right now to not let your guard down about how, how that choice of who watches your children is just so important and, and what licensure does to protect you and your child. Yeah, I think it's a good point to remind people we, we are not against uh, family members stepping in and helping out and we're not here to uh, be the big bureaucratic, uh, you know, monster that comes down the street trying to stop that. We're just watching out for, uh, you know, people see opportunities, business opportunities around right. every corner. So you just have to be uh, cautious of that. We do want to, by the way, uh, we are, are doing our first podcast remotely. And if you're playing bingo at home, 
uh, for remote podcast, we had our first barking dog, and I heard uh, some I heard some birds in here earlier. I think it almost okay, sounded. So like- that's me, and I'm outside <laughs> because again, we're all having to adapt. I have there are people working in my house. I have a daughter who's taking a test in the kitchen, <laughs> and I have a husband who's on calls in another part of the house. We're all having to separate in different places, and it's. Uh, so you're getting some nature with me. I love that. Yeah, the birds, it actually sounded like the masters uh, for us. <laughs> <laughs> so I was pretty uh, excited about I just enjoy being that. outside. I like being outside. It makes me happy. Well, we're taking you everywhere on this edition of Decal Download. We want to remind everybody, we've created a page on our website dedicated to COVID-19 with frequently asked questions that are updated daily, along with any guidance or statements uh, issued by the department Uh, or any statements, uh, orders from the governor related to uh, child care. The address is decal, D-E-C-A-L dot G-A dot gov. And Commissioner, our Atlanta offices are closed to staff and the public, but we are open for business weekdays 8 to 5. We absolutely are. Our employees are uh, working every day like they usually do, and they're doing a great job. We do go into the office um, several times a week to make sure that we we get the mail and respond to that mail. Um, But that's the only reason that we're going into the office at this point. And the phone number is 404-656-5957 or statewide 1-888-442-7735. Again, there's someone answering that uh, phone uh, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., they can uh, get you connected to whatever division you're looking for, including our Child Care Services Consultant of the Day, our Georgia Pre-K Specialist of the Day, uh, and all other divisions. Uh, just about out of time for, uh, for this edition, but Pam, anything else you'd want to share with uh, our listeners? And that can include employees, child care providers, the general public, anything you'd want to tell them? Well, if you're an employee, thank you so much for everything you're doing. Everybody is working as normal, but I would say maybe people are even working harder. We've had to, you know, come up with new ways of doing things, and and the employees have been so great. And then if you're a provider, you know, no matter what your decision had to be, thank you for all you do every day, and we will get through this. Absolutely. Commissioner, how about you? Well, it's uh, very much the same. I think I'll focus on our decal team and our child care providers as well. Um, our decal team has done an amazing job of stepping up. Every unit, every division is doing things differently, and they're doing it very well, and they understand how important it is for us to continue uh, business as usual as much as we can. So I'm so thankful for them. And then for child care providers who don't get enough credit every day, you know, they're 4,500 across the state. Um, right now, this is a hard situation for them. And like like always, they always step up to the plate to do the right thing. So whether or not they've closed or they remain open, um, I want to thank them for what they're doing and let them know that we support them. And uh, we're trying to come up with new and better ways financially and otherwise to support them during this time. So they'll be ready to go when things are back to normal and they can serve families and children again. Absolutely. Pam, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hello, my name is Rita Lang, and I'm the Director of Scholarship Administration with the CAPS program. My question for the commissioner is, what's been the hardest part about managing the agency and your personal life in this pandemic? 
Rita, thank you for that question, and I hope that you are doing well. Um, I, can, I don't know that I can pinpoint one item that's the hardest. Um, it's definitely been a challenge uh, because, like we've all, we keep saying, this is um, territory that we've never embarked on. But um, again, I'm just really impressed with our decal staff and how they've stepped up to the plate. Um, it's definitely different for me working from home. I like to be in the office and uh, see our decal team as much as possible. Um, it's definitely more difficult working from home when my husband is working from home and my two young children are also here trying to do virtual learning. Um, but you know what? I'm thankful that I have a job to do every day as well. That um, that kind of creates um, some sense of normalcy, um, as stressful as it can be. And um, we're all going to get through this. And I appreciate all the hard work from everyone at DECAL. Time for the decal download quiz and your chance to win a nice prize. Send your answer to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers to this question. What is the expiration date on Governor Kemp's statewide shelter-in-place order? What is the expiration date on Governor Kemp's statewide shelter-in-place order? Order. Answer that question correctly. We'll throw all the correct answers together. Draw one name for a very nice prize that you can use after the pandemic is over or even before. Again, the uh, email address is decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. Good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.